Welcome to another episode of the Week Pastor Podcast, where we view Christianity through the lens of vulnerability. Well, welcome to the Week Pastors Podcast. Thanks so much for joining us this week. We're so grateful that you are with us. Um, and before we get started, a couple things I want to just kind of share. First of all, I want to thank Tyler. Tyler uh, sent an email recently and asked about soulmates. His question was, how do you do it? Is there sort of like a formula? And I basically responded to Tyler and I said, no, there really isn't a formula. Um, You just kind of have to let it just kind of be organic. But uh, the important thing is that there has to be a confession time when you get together with your soulmate, you know, at least once a week as if you get together. If you guys connect with your soulmate regularly, more more than once a week, um, then I think just at least once a week, you guys should check in and share some good stuff, but also just share and confess sins. If you feel like the person maybe didn't finish, like they were... Sometimes we have a tendency not to share all of our sins because we're embarrassed or we have shame. Um, I think it's important in a soulmate relationship that you actually ask the question, okay, well, did you actually struggle with this this week? And I think that's really important. And then when it's done, when, when the confession is done, it's really important to say when, uh, because you've confessed your sins, your sins are forgiven. I, that's a really important part to it. So just want to give a shout out to Tyler. Thank you uh, for sharing and asking that question. And if you have any other questions, uh, that you have that comes from the show, we would really appreciate it. Uh, please send me an email at peter at weekpastor.org or sua at weekpastor.org. How you doing, sua? I'm good. If you send me an email, I'm just going to forward it right back to Pastor Peter. Oh, like, How no. How you take this one? Okay. <laughs> unless, unless the, well, unless the question sua, involves... Unless it's sua, comma, blah, 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 you know? Yeah, unless, but, unless uh, the question involves Lester Holt, in which case I'm an expert. <laughs> oh, so goodness. you can always you ask me off. any questions about you know, Lester Holt. I, I, if I if I'm gonna be serious with you, I used to work at NBC News, so I'm always I always give preference to, um, <laughs> to, NBC, to NBC and I and I always watch NBC <laughs> Nightly News. But I'm just gonna be honest. I started watching ABC with David Muir. How uh, dare you? Da- How dare you? Just because of just because of, just because of your fascination with Lester Holt. I don't know why, but I'm just like okay, I'll watch some of Lester. But I was like, I'm gonna check out David now at ABC News. So. Do you see the difference now? <laughs> I, I still don't see the difference. I still don't see the we're, difference. We're, but it's a listen, work in progress. As long as you do, as long as you do. But the other thing I wanted to say was this: we simply are so grateful and actually quite humbled by your support. Yes. Uh, we've been hearing feedback personally. People have been messaging us, emailing us, calling us, and things like that. And we're so grateful. We're hearing, you know, that people are listening to us all over the country, in the world, especially well. from Guatemala. Especially from Guatemala, <laughs> our I actually, friends. I in actually, Guatemala. T- yes, I, I, I get a big shout out to Josue, uh, Pastor Josue. He is uh, somebody I connect with on a monthly basis. I actually talked to him recently. And he says that he loves the podcast. And Sua, he says, you have the Guatemalan accent. I'm, like, they're just well, certain I mean, things. So, really? Uh, I did not yeah. notice, but um, yeah. I'm going to have so to So he just says that you're you're really it. great. And I asked him, I said, hey, you know, we're trending in your country. Are you are you promoting <laughs> us? And he said, yeah, he is. He's actually sharing yes, with all please. his friends and family. Take a lesson from Josue and yeah. start promoting us to your friends and family we would really appreciate it so i guess what i guess what i'd like to just say is that we're so grateful that uh, many of you are listening and tuning in thank you so much for that and if you feel led to uh we would love it if you could promote us on your feed uh, it would be a privilege and an honor if you would just promote us and just say hey you've been listening to week pastor podcast and uh, just kind of let your friends and people that are on your feed know uh, what you think about it. That would really help us too. just kind of get the word out. So thank you so much for your support. 
And uh, if you ever feel led to do that, we would be privileged and honored, and we would thank you in advance for it. So thank you uh, thank in you. advance if you do do it. We really appreciate it. But we have a we have an important topic to talk about. We want to talk about unforgiveness. I think you it's say something... this every week. We have a really great topic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, every topic is, we do is great. To and me, important. this is this is the biggest. <laughs> I've been I've been a pastor at Metro now for eighteen years, and I would say one of the things that are the folks at the church really struggle with is unforgiveness. And and I think it's definitely hard if you've been wronged and hurt. Um, it's not just something that, you know, lay people struggle with. I believe it's uh, something that a lot of pastors struggle with as well. And mm-hmm. so we want to talk about that. But before we do, um, maybe sort of related to this, uh, Sue, I wanted to ask you a question and I'll answer first because it might take you some time to think about it. But when was the last time you were angry to the point where you almost were borderline raging? Oh, geez. Yeah. Hmm. Like borderline raging, okay? Borderline raging, right? Last time you were so angry. I mean, you just came, you know, you went recently to Hawaii. Maybe, you know, somebody at the airlines got you upset. I don't know. You know, maybe somebody decided not to wear a mask on the plane and, you know, whatever, whatever it might be. But think about that because I got one and I'm going to share it. Okay. Why don't you go first? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I I definitely go first because I had time to think about this. So, all right. So, uh, recently, I went to Chick-fil-A in Englewood to get some food for the family. And by the way, I love Chick-fil-A. Spicy chicken sandwich is my favorite. (laughs) So I went there to pick up the food and I was in a rush, had a lot of stuff going on and I ran in and as I was running in, there was about five, I'm assuming they're high school teenagers uh, in Englewood. And this one guy, he sees me and he kind of, he doesn't say it out loud, so loud that, you know, everyone could hear, but he's kind of whispers he goes yao ming yao ming and oh, no. i looked at him and oh, i no. said what did you just say what did you just say and then he just looked away pretending that you know oh, he didn't say gosh. it and I, I i i tried to gather myself and so yeah i just waited for my chicken sandwich and i kept kind of looking at them and i was like i don't know what it was Sua. Oh, I, I i still need to process this but i think it triggered like when i was in high school and kids would make fun of me all the time for being korean and, and you know grammar school yeah. and middle school it kind of triggered me and there was a part of me like i had to settle myself down because i felt like i wanted to go and just yell at these kids or at least like sit down with them and be like why would you say something like that you know and so on and so forth but i didn't do anything and also i guess i thought to myself Oh my God! Suppose they're a part of Metro Life. I better be careful, <gasps> you know, because God forbid they see they they see like, wait a minute, you're we a pastor. We know that guy. We Didn't know you that just guy. yell at me at Chick Fil A? <laughs> so I was like, calm down, calm down. But I, I, I it triggered. Then something. you say I am yelling. <laughs> just leave. <laughs> I'm not Jeez. the pastor. I'm yelling. You know, so um, yeah. So listen, I, I, you know, it was so funny because I was waiting for my food, and so I, I was pinching myself, like. Like, like, oh, wow. like doing this, like really so hard. So that you don't, so that I don't, I don't, don't I don't act out. I don't blow up. Wow. And, uh, and so that was weird. And I was like, okay, where's that? That's, you know, I mean, I know I'm being triggered, but I was like, they're just teenagers. Like big, mm-hmm. afterwards, I was just like, what's going on? Like there's something deeper maybe that I got to kind of explore. But a lot of times our anger kind of forces us to be angry and we don't want to forgive. 
right? And so, you know, I think that that this question is really, you know, apropos to what we want to talk about today. But that's me. That was me. I uh, I, I got triggered, and I'm going to be honest. It's not the first time somebody called me Yao Ming. Uh, I have been asked for my autograph once. I was in I was in California. But that one was not and, a mocking. Somebody no, it wasn't actually a mocking. literally uh, thought this, you were Yao Ming. This guy actually thought I was Yao Ming, oh and he God. came up to and and his, he couldn't <laughs> ask me for an autograph he put up his daughter and he's like go get an autograph oh from Yao Ming and so she goes excuse me sir can I get your autograph I'm like who do you think I am and she goes well my dad says you're an NBA basketball player and my friends around me were I felt so bad for her they were cracking up and I was like no 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 I was like oh, please tell your dad I'm not Yao Ming this is so I was funny. like yeah I was like please tell your dad I'm this not Yao Ming this is the second time you've been asked for your autograph wasn't there somebody at church who once asked to autograph your the bible yeah, yeah, that did happen. That did happen. That, 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 that's not because she thought I was Yao Ming. <laughs> she thought you were the author of the Bible. <laughs> no, 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 she didn't. That was, I never had anyone ask if I, could, if I could sign their Bible, but they did ask me to do that. That was interesting. And it? It's amazing how you remember it. Of did course I it? did. She asked me. So I, I just said, may, may you learn a lot from God's word. I, all right, Peter on. That's it's it. Like, please so. don't smite me, God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I should have wrote, uh, yeah, please learn a so lot then from what me happened? in this book. In the story. So what happens? About what? You get your food and you just leave and that was it? I just left. I just left and uh, and, and I just kind of processed it and I just said, yeah, you know, um, I'm, first of all, I'm glad I didn't act out on it. Um, but, you know, I, I thought to myself, perhaps the best way to do it because I was waiting for my food. Just just next time, perhaps if something like that happens to me, rather than ignoring it because they, they'll end up doing it to somebody else, right? Mm. I think the best way to be proactive about that is just to sit down and just let them know, like, listen, when you, like, you don't know my life and my story, but, you know, like, when you say stuff like that, you perpetuate racism, number one. And number two, you don't know kind of like what I've even gone through and something like that could really trigger. And I would probably maybe share a little bit about my life and just maybe let that be a teaching moment for them rather than me just being angry or blowing up on them. So I felt like if I can get a do-over on that, that's what I would probably have done. I would mm -hmm. just sat next to them and just say, hey, can I just share with you a little bit just my thoughts? Like what, what made you, you know, why did you just call me Yao Ming? Just because I'm this tall Asian guy, you know, kind of a thing. So I think, I think we ethnic folks... Um, and just, yeah, just anyone in general. Did you just refer to us as ethnic folks? Ethnic folks. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think when somebody says something like that, like, you know, sometimes people, they're, they're just, in, they don't really fully know. And I think it's, those are the moments when we can actually do some teaching and saying, you know what, what you just said was actually offensive. Yeah. And you need to be careful with what, how you say it, because it's just not right. It's not healthy. And it continues to perpetuate racism and stereotypes that's not healthy. So anyway, I think that'll be great. And, you know, I think for us, whenever something like that happens to us, that'd be the way to approach it rather than trying to ignore them. And that's what I did. I, I tried to ignore them and that was it, you know, um, and that's not, that wasn't the healthy way to deal with it. So anyway. Were you mad for the rest of the night? No, 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 no. <laughs> No, no, it no, diffuses. It diffuses. So yeah, yeah it definitely. Diffuses. There was a trigger there. It you know, it's, a trigger. I feel like high school is middle school and high school are some of the most formative years in terms of how um, we interacted with our peers. I feel like and our peer yeah. groups. And definitely, if you're if you felt um, like if there was something that kept happening where like kids were making fun of you because of your ethnicity or because of the way you look, like it's something that follows us. I feel like for the rest of our lives. Gro growing up in Northern Jersey, um, it, it might be hard for some people listening to believe, um, but if there are folks, you know, uh, that have lived here for a long time, like myself, that grew up in North Northern New Jersey, and if you know from my encounters with the folks, like even in my own town, um, I've gotten together with some of the baseball dads, and some of them have said some racially insensitive mm -hmm. things mm -hmm. that are racist, you know, yeah. racist remarks, yeah. and I've had to stop them and say, listen, like 
that was actually very inappropriate what you mm-hmm. just said about this mm-hmm. you know about these people group you can't do that and they're just like what are you talking about man i'm just trying to be funny and i'm just like right. no 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 i was like that's just not right and i just think those are the moments when you know for us we just have to have the courage to speak up because if we don't then they're not they're not bad people they just don't know they think it's just okay to poke at people you know make these funny ethnic jokes right so anyway right. yeah no i agree and i think it takes um like a greater, I don't know, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, but it's much easier to just get angry and walk away, but it's much right. harder to actually try to address it in a way that yeah. will have more long-term implications and maybe have the person stop and think next time before they make a yep. comment like that. But it's really hard to address it, you know, because in the moment it's you're not, already feeling all easy. sorts of feelings. And yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're like too, you know, too upset to actually address it, but... Yeah, I, I, I want to think that there's going to be a time when something like that happens again at Chick-fil-A that I'll just say, hey, let's let's just chat about this for a second, you know, and see. But but I don't know if I was in the right headspace because if they started to disagree or say, what are you talking That's what about? I'm saying. If, if you're already emotional. Like, ching chong, ching yeah. chong, ching chong. And then oh, I'll gosh, like, you would oh, lose shit. it. That's it. Metro life is going down the drain. Like, I don't care. <laughs> Metro community you know, church is going to go down the drain. Forget Metro, the church. Like, forget pastor, the community pastor center. Pastor like. at a church. Englewood uh, 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 pastor beats NJ up four teenage well, yeah, four teenage kids. Written an article yeah. about you, you know. Inglewood pastor loses his cool on three t- <laughs> exactly. high school teenagers at Chick-fil-A. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so I don't think I was in the right headspace for that. But anyway, but I hope next time I can. So that, that that's it. But how about you? When was the last time you were angry, borderline <sighs> rageful? Because, you know, like I always say, you are a master martial artist. <laughs> how, do, so, how do those two link? Because I, I, I'm trying to see the link between those two things. You could beat up most people, men and women. Okay, John actually like laughed out loud literally when he when you said that I was a master martial artist last time. Like he he scoffed at me. I just want you to know. Well, you um, better get a stick and show him what you're capable of. I mean, really, I mean, you got to show what you can do. <laughs> but anyways, um, so this is a hard one for me because. I'm, you don't get angry. No, no, no. I, I do get angry. I do get angry. But I'll tell you two because one is more Ooh, two. Nice. more silly. Okay. Um, okay. Like, and then one is kind of more. It's not actually that recent. I would say it happened in the past two years. But yeah. it it was like I I lost my mind. Um, nice. No. So the 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 one the the first one, which is the most recent one, which happened yesterday, is that yesterday. Um, well, wow. yeah. But I wasn't like raging, but I was pretty upset. So we I was driving my kids to school in the morning. Um, and right after I drop them off, I have to go to a small group, which is okay. about 25 minutes away. So the timing yeah. is that is exact. Like I drop them off and then I have to drive to small group to make it on time. Um, nice. So we get to the school and we're waiting in the carpool line and I open the door for my kids because I'm in a minivan, my cool minivan. So I open the door oh, and suddenly minivan, my older right. daughter goes, emergency, emergency. And I go, what's the emergency? And she goes, I can't find my backpack. <laughs> So then she left I go, home. what do you mean you oh, can't find no. your backpack? Look for your backpack. And then she goes, I can't find it. And then my younger daughter, Audrey, who's seven, is staring at us, very cool, like even tempered. She goes, it's not here. I go, what do you mean it's not here? She goes, it was just sitting there in the mud room when we left. <laughs> <laughs> so now I'm doubly angry because I'm like, one forgot her backpack going to school. The other one knew that it was in the mudroom, but for, for some reason did not think that maybe she should say, sissy, your backpack is in the mudroom. So now I'm wow. angry. It's, I, they have to leave the car because there, there's cars yeah. behind me. Yeah. I'm yeah. panicking. So I said, just go, just go. Oh my gosh, like now I'm gonna be late. Like, it's all your fault. Ah! 
So they get off and I'm driving in the car back to yeah. the house because now I have to get her backpack yeah. and I'm seething because one of the things that I hate in life is being late to things. Like I hate being late. I'm the same way. Um, so I understand you. the worst Tremendous part of empathy me. Right I, now. Yeah, yeah. When I feel yeah. like I'm going to run late to something, it brings yeah. out the worst version of me, right? I become like yeah. the most impatient version of me. Yeah. Everything yeah. makes me angry. I mean, if you know, if there's a formula for John and I, John and me to get into a fight, <laughs> it's if he makes me late for something and exactly. we're sitting in traffic. Oh, like the whole gosh. time I will be like so angry, just fume coming out of my yes, nose. Yes. Like, like don't talk to me right now. You yes, know, right. because right. like, the That's whole right. time in my head, I'm like, how, how late are we going to be? That's how right. That's right. You know, I yeah, hate it. Yeah, yeah. So just imagine like now I'm going to meet the small group my, because my freaking daughter left her <laughs> backpack in the mudroom. The backpack that I brought to the mudroom right next to her shoes. And then the other daughter saw it and she didn't say anything. She didn't say anything. She's like, oh, it. it's not here because it was sitting in the mudroom when I slapped. <laughs> like what in the world, right? So anyway, I'm so oh, angry. Oh, that's hilarious. And I'm just, you know, saying a lot of expletives in my head as I'm driving, like speeding back to my house. Um, <laughs> and then in the moment I remembered, like uh, just a few weeks ago, I had gone to eat pho with Sean at a restaurant and I was going back to my car after we have finished and we're leaving and the waitress ran after me because I had left my purse. <laughs> <laughs> and John was like, who leaves their purse in a restaurant? But this has happened to me multiple times because um, I f I'm forgetful. <laughs> yeah. And yep. that moment just like rose in my head. And then I had to like take a moment and be like, well, I guess I do it too. You know, and that kind of diffused in the moment because... I feel like the Holy Good. Spirit revealed to me it's just how genetics works. Exactly. She <laughs> gets know? it from She you. takes after me. Yeah. My Audrey and John would never do something like this. Wow. They are the most non-forgetful, most non-absent-minded people. My mother-in-law, you tell her something one time, she will never forget, like ever. Wow. Me, I got in trouble with my mom. I got grounded for a week in high school because I left the cordless phone in the refrigerator. Um, <laughs> and it broke. <laughs> this was when cordless phones were very expensive. Very um, expensive Very expensive. And I froze it and it broke. So wow. this is the story of my life. I can't get angry at her for doing something that clearly is in me as well. Maybe that's why I got so angry, but yeah. Um, yeah, so that's one little tidbit. But the one that, you know, there's few moments in my life when I've really lost my cool. Like usually okay. I can kind of contain myself, but there's certain triggers for me. And it's, and this is probably why I was director of justice, advocacy and compassion for a while. <laughs> I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is, but it's certain things that people say that okay. I feel like are oppressive or ignorant yeah. or just goes against justice really mm. triggers me. Like I lose my mind. So that on this one occasion, um, mm. my father-in-law, whom I love dearly and respect greatly, um, and I get along swell with him in regular yeah, life. Yeah, yeah. But a few years back, he said something about America being the most Christian nation. Mm. And I just lost it. And I don't know what, what wait, wait, about so that how did you, like, you lost it on him? Like he, you, you <sighs> like yelled at him? Yeah, I, I mean, I don't really like going back to this moment. It's not one of my finest, proudest moments because wow. when I, when I like get triggered and lose my mind, I, I, I kind of shoot a lot of things out of my mouth. Um, not like literally, but you know, words okay. that sometimes come out a lot harsher than I, need them to be because i'm so okay. upset i'm so upset wow. and so when he said that and then in the beginning you start i start off a little bit like well what do you mean like what do you mean by that you know what do you mean how is yeah. it a christian nation but then once we started getting into like well it was found he you know he says things like which are very 
commonly said things like yeah. how it was founded. It's in upon, our history books, yeah, like the yeah. Bible, and you yeah. know they were they ascribed to Christian ideals and all this stuff. And I'm like, what about genocide and um, yeah. slavery of, natives. Yeah. of like an ent entire two people groups? for 400 plus years like what about that is christian and then yeah. you know he's saying his piece because he's not backing down and then i'm just going back and forth and then i'm just spewing like my anger at my father-in-law and if you understand anything about korean culture you do not spew anger that, at your father-in-law you just like, don't <laughs> to be a fly on the wall on that day i would pay serious don't. dollars for that that is well, like i'd rather go there <laughs> and see you do that then go watch like a, a Super Bowl game. Listen, like, listen. So, you don't need to be a spy. Just, I mean, a, a fly on the wall. Just ask John because he was present, which made oh, it all the I worse. Because, you know, yeah. the whole time John knows it's coming because he's been in this <laughs> kind of situation. So he can feel the energy rising. Like he can feel like the Hulk coming out. Oh, and he's probably man. the whole time like, please, please, That's no, right. please. But oh, no, her eyes like, are turning I, green. No, I, yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I, I literally just, I think I went on like a 10-minute monologue by myself mm, because mm. at like decibel level, like 150, I don't know. It was it was loud. It was yeah. angry. It was not pretty. Um, listen, do I regret the content necessarily? Like the principle of what I said? No. But no, I not. highly regret the way it came out. I think it came out very arrogantly and very obnoxiously. I don't think he walked away feeling that he was wrong. I think he just walked away feeling this woman is crazy and what has my son married? <laughs> and poor, poor son. Like, you know, he could see a little glimpse of our marital stripes when it happens. Like, it's not pretty. Um, but yeah, I mean, I had to buy him like three packs of candy after to like apologize. But mm. um, this has happened previously with other characters in my life. And it's always that same trigger when somebody says something like, you know, there was another one that somebody once said to me, similar context, not my father-in-law, but they said, you know, um, people commit suicide or die by suicide because they're not Christian. Another mm. one, another wow. horrible argument that ensued. Ooh, don't um, be That's but these are the triggers. These are the triggers, yeah. you know? And um, yeah, so if I could take back what, how I said it, I would. Do I, and I highly regret how it unfolded. And I'm pretty sure he, if I brought it up, he would remember very clearly. Um, did you yeah, did you I mean, did you actually say like use some directives like you really don't know what you're talking about like this is wrong or was it just you just really share with a lot of passion with with some anger um with uh, about what he said like how 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 was it so bad like was it really that bad or like did you actually well, John like, said it was very bad <laughs> oh yeah you John didn't curse at him bad. did you did you curse at him no you can't okay. no no okay. I, I mean you can't. good good no good. no okay. but i think there was a lot of hulk is like i don't no, care no, i would know? not curse at my father okay. i mean okay. i wouldn't curse good, at, good, i wouldn't good. curse at people uh, you know what the only person i curse at is my brother and that's an episode for another time <laughs> recently uh, my daughter said to me so my teacher says that using the f word is really bad but I remember when you used the F word at your brother. <laughs> oh, wow. Our kids um, will- A story uh, for will... another time. Yeah, but, you know, um, maybe have your brother on the podcast one day. That would be you really know what? cool. I, I, he, he would be an interesting person to have on the podcast. Yeah, he would have would a lot cool. of stories. But yeah, so anyway, no, but I think there was a lot of, um, the tone of it was extremely arrogant. Yeah, sure. And kind of like, I was a terrible listener. Like I was, so that's, I think that's my problem is when I get into these modes, I don't listen. Because okay. I come from a place where I'm like, uh, you don't know what you're talking about, but I do. So let me tell you how it sure. is. Whereas I think it's not ever a fruitful conversation because it's not a conversation in that space. It's me telling you how I feel and you don't get a say, you know? Right. 
What, yeah. Well, did, did you feel like your father was noticeably upset and angry at you when you spoke to him like that? Like, did you did you see that? Was there like an like I don't you know, know because I was blanking out because I went okay. into a rage, um, the rage state where I literally couldn't process okay. anything in my environment. I was only focused on what I was saying and how well, angry I was. Well, the good thing is at least you would have known if it really bothered him at the end. Like he could have like you know like told John and you know told you know your mother-in-law and then they could have came to you and said yo you really disrespected no, your father-in-law. No he's not that that's not his personality okay. because I think we have a good enough like we've lived together for eight months during the pandemic yeah. Yeah. and yeah. I feel like we have enough of a like actual familial relationship okay. where he would never go behind my back to say it he would just straight up say it to me like oh okay but he never me? straight up he never straight up said it to you. No, because he was upset. I could tell he was upset. Okay. So that's why I bought him candy. I bought him all these buy one, get one free CVS okay. candies after because I felt really badly. Come on. Don't buy him the sale items. You got to buy him the expensive stuff that's CVS not on sale. CVS is overpriced anyway. So it it's is fine. Everything is overpriced. overpriced. But yeah. Okay, but did, you, did you apologize or was the candy your apology? No, the candy was my apology because for, it's actually, I felt like if I brought it up again, it would then rehash it again. Like there was no guarantee I wasn't going to start again. You know, okay. because sometimes when you go and say, I'm sorry for what I said, but you know, the principle oh, yeah. still stands or something like that. It can oh, yeah. open it again. And I wasn't, oh, yeah. I'm not confident in myself yeah, and Pandora's my ability box. to not go there again. Yeah, so I yeah. feel like it's better if I just, oh, I thought of you and bought you some candy and, you know, I have love for you um, and just leave it at that. You know I what I mean? You. Because I yeah, it, could, it could rehash again. It's too okay. Much okay. Makes sense. Makes sense. Okay. Well, that really segues well into what we want to talk about. Is we want to talk about unforgiveness because, you know, we all struggle with this. And unfortunately, unfortunately, really is unfortunate. <laughs> Jesus says that to the degree that you forgive other people will be the same measure in how my father it's forgives very you. Very unfortunate. Uh, that is a very unfortunate verse. It's found in Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew. And uh, forgiveness is really important because it's not just uh, something that will help us in the long run. We'll talk a little bit about the benefits of that, just even like, like just even as a human being. But uh, it really shows that we have received the forgiveness of God. And because we've received the forgiveness mm -hmm. of God, um, that we are able to be releasers of that kind of grace and forgiveness towards other people. So biblically speaking, it's a very Christian thing to do. Um, unforgiveness is an unchristian. It's a very unchristian thing to do. And uh, unfortunately, I think with Christians, we're very similar to the world because the world struggles with unforgiveness. Um, when we've been hurt, we, we feel like it is a place of weakness if you actually forgive someone. And right, I think right. everyone can agree with that. Like, they don't deserve my forgiveness for what they've done to me. And I think we often see that as weakness that if we forgive them then we're weak people mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and nothing could be more further from the truth uh, forgiving somebody that has hurt you in a deep way uh, you never have more courage when you're able to do that uh, you you don't necessarily get them off the hook you let yourself off the hook because when we live with unforgiveness there is so much darkness and bitterness that begins to form in our lives it says in ephesians paul says do not let the sun go down in your anger or in your bitterness otherwise you give a foothold to the devil what that what that word foothold mm -hmm. means in the Greek it literally means ground you give the devil if you're a lawyer what it means is that you give the devil legal rights to your soul oh, Wow, that's what happens when we hold on to anger and bitterness and so when we are unwilling to forgive someone what we're doing is we're giving the keys to our soul to the devil and this is something that 
every Christian struggle with, struggles with including pastors, especially pastors, because we've been hurt. We've been hurt by people in the church. Right. We've been hurt by our right. elder boards. We've been hurt by people that we feel like should have cared and took mm -hmm. care of us, but yet they've betrayed us and they've hurt us. And so unforgiveness is something that we all struggle with. It's, it's a deep human condition. And I kind of wanted to spend a little time just talking about that and just realizing how important this is because I know a lot of folks that really struggle with this. And one of the symptoms I've seen, I don't have proof of this, but I'm sure, you know, we can, I'm sure if you ask some doctors, they would definitely see a link to this. But I, I, I feel that one of the major symptoms of unforgiveness is insomnia. Oh, a lot wow. of people who I've struggle that I know that that struggle to sleep well um, throughout the night. You know, some people just sleep really good. They, they, they have no problems falling asleep, but then they can't wake up. Or then some people just can't sleep in general. One of the symptoms, I believe, of unforgiveness is insomnia. People don't sleep well. And, um, and so like, it's like we're just causing ourselves more harm and pain uh, of not forgiving someone. And so I want to kind of talk about that a little bit, Sua, just kind of get your thoughts on unforgiveness. And then I want to share an area of my life where I've had to really work on forgiving. And it was really hard for me to kind of figure it out because, you know, I grew up in a, in a home where I've actually had to have the courage to really forgive my father and uh, to have a relationship with him. But yeah, kind of want to get your thoughts, you know, as a former staff member, but as a lay person as well, what is your understanding or your take on unforgiveness slash forgiveness? I mean, I, I definitely remember, gosh, was it at, no, was it at Metro? Did we ever do a sermon series, the new F word? Was that yep, us? Yeah, that's it. That's, that's yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We <laughs> call forgiveness the, the new F word. Yeah. The new F word, yeah. Um, but you're right. It is Man, very- Man, your memory is so good. No, I, I remember. It was very catchy. We came up yeah. with some really good catchy sermon series. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> you toot Metro's horn a little bit. But yeah, I just remember, <laughs> um, you know, that whole thing you said about our standard for forgiveness is what God will use for us. It is extremely unfortunate because I feel like our um, ability to forgive is so minimal yeah. on the day to day. Um, but I actually um, have no, I can't really think of anything in my life that I've had difficulty forgiving. And I think it's because I've lived a really sheltered, privileged life. <laughs> Um, so, I, so yeah, Sue, I you, you, you sleep like a log, don't you? I sleep really well. You know what, <laughs> yeah, though? Exactly. I sleep there you really go. well. I just, um, my, my, <laughs> my point is proven. You don't struggle with unforgiveness. Hence, one of the benefits of yeah, that is that you sleep well, like a log. I, I rest really well. But you know what? Um, <laughs> I think it, it's because, and this is not, I 100% I'm telling you this with honesty. It's not because I think I'm some kind of holy person and that's why i don't struggle with unforgiveness sure sure i really think a it's because i really have lived a really privileged life like i don't have a lot of people that have really really hurt me mm -hmm. badly and you know what to go deeply even more deeply than that i think during my formative years of my childhood and teens and young adult like those were the years where i was very I feel like, I don't know, maybe, I don't want to say protected, but just privileged in the sense that I didn't have any real tragic things happen to me or anyone really hurt me. Okay, mm. well, you know what? Now I'm going back on it because I remember yeah, we shared about without, without, the fact without, without, that without, my, my, the, my, my two friends ditched me. Friends um, I completely you, forgot man. about that. Yeah, yeah, you're right. No, okay, I take that back. Clearly we're doing this in real time because I haven't given this much thought. But yeah, I was going to so, say part of that was that, that my family yeah. life was very stable. And so I feel like, 
when you have loving parents who you know love you unconditionally, it gives you a very safe ground to be yeah. able to forgive other people pretty quickly because you know it's not personal to me. You know, it's not like there's something wrong with me. And I think yeah. that has always been helpful. And I do think it comes from knowing that you have a safe space at home. Like having formative years been very stable, having loving parents who tell you you are great, who are very encouraging. Then if you go out into the world and something happens to you, I don't take it as personally because I don't, my, my default mode is not what's wrong with me that they're doing this yeah, to me. It's more yeah. like, what's wrong with you? Do you know what I'm mm-hmm, saying? And I think mm-hmm, a lot of mm-hmm. that comes from my, the parenting um, and the family well, life. What a blessing. I think that's a huge blessing that you have that kind of, you had that kind of parenting growing up because what you went through at a young age when those girls said that they didn't want to be your friends anymore, that's incredibly hurtful. Um, but the fact that you had a stable home life really helps. And let's just, you know, I mean, let's just say for what it is. I think you've had parents. They're not perfect but they love Jesus. And I think you take your faith seriously enough where you realize that this is something you got to work through. And, um, you know, as you're, as you're older, you know, I always seen you as somebody who is very open, joyful, and very quick to forgive because you've had to forgive me a couple of times. Yeah. That's um, another episode. Yes. But you know what though? The other, so the first part is that I, I've been very privileged to have a family who love me where it, it was a good, bouncing board where I, you know, even when those girls did that to me, my initial reaction was not like, what's wrong with me? It was more, why are they acting like this? You know, so it was always external, right? But the second part of that is, um, I'm a pretty self-aware person. And I think if you're a pretty self-aware person, it's hard to not forgive others for like the little things that they do. Like that example I gave about Lila, that's a stupid example about her forgetting her backpack. But even with deeper things, if you search far enough and deep enough, there's definitely always a synonymous thing that you've done with whatever somebody else has done to you. Some variation of it. Maybe it looks a little bit different, but pretty similar. And when you recognize that it's in you as well, it's really hard for me to hold that grudge against somebody else. And I'm just a very flawed person. I think, have I shared this before about how I read my Zanga archives and now I cannot Mm -hmm. be shamed any longer? (laughs) Like now I know the depths of my banality and stupidity and ignorance um i can't really like hold it against other people because man like i have seen the ugly side of me like even my father me yelling at my father-in-law you know like it's yeah it's not good. it's not good well listen so so i think what you just said there was a very good way to, to say something that's incredibly theological which i think is important for us to just uncover for one moment when you, we realize how self-aware and how messed up we are, yeah. how weak we are, and yet God still forgives us when we ask him to forgive us and uh, we receive his grace and his mercy, what that should do is that should give us this overwhelming sense of thankfulness and gratitude mm-hmm. that when somebody else sins against us, even if they ask for forgiveness or not, you know, because it doesn't matter if they ask for forgiveness, we should still forgive them for our own sake and sanity that you have a depth of understanding about your own brokenness that allows you to just say, you know what, I'm going to forgive this person. But I see, think that's really that's really important to do. But but I'm just going to be honest though, like yeah. the things that I'm citing are not these like deep seated, really hurtful, traumatic things, right? Which yeah. I think you are going to share about. So I, I do think it's very different, like the things I'm talking about, which are like you know my father-in-law saying flipping comments or like my daughter forgetting her backpack. Like these are not the kinds of things that I think about when I compare them with what 
you know, like your experience has been with unforgiveness. So I do want to make that clear. Sure. Um, uh, but nonetheless, you know, you've gone through your, your share of stuff as well. So yeah, no, but let me just share because uh, I, I don't, you know, I think we can, we don't want this thing to go two hours. Uh, but let me just share with, for, for the audience who don't know me, for those who attend Metro Community Church, you know the story. Um, I grew up in a pretty broken home. Um, my father, uh, was from North Korea, um, escaped during the Korean War, came to South Korea, um, didn't really have a family that loved him and cared for him very much, particularly his stepmother. Mother died at a very young age. Mm -hmm. Father was a prisoner. The Japanese took him, and he was a prisoner uh, for a long, long time. And so my father grew up in a very abusive home. He, came, he escaped. He was in the uh, North Korean army. He escaped, and he got into South Korea, became a POW there. The South Koreans thought he was a North Korean spy. Long story short, my father meets my mom many years later, and he marries her. And uh, my father was never able to work through a lot of his brokenness and all that stuff. And um, one of the ways in how he dealt with his pain, like many people do, is that when you go through hardships, most people, or particularly men especially, because they don't have out healthy outlets to deal with their brokenness, um, they usually resort to substance. And mm -hmm. so my father would, would, would drink. He would drink heavily. And in the Korean culture, drinking is a very big thing. Very, and whenever, very big. yeah, whenever my father drank, um, he got very angry. And so he became incredibly abusive when he got angry. And so how, uh, so, how much did he, like, how frequently would he drink? So it wasn't so frequent because he wasn't an alcoholic. Um, he only drank whenever he went out with his friends and went to parties. Okay. Um, and so. You know, so I grew up in Queens, and so I still remember moments when, you know, we would go to, because, you know, my parents couldn't leave us at home, so we would go to their friends' parties, and uh, he would be drinking, and I still remember, even till this day, how, like, I felt like my world was going to end. Mm. Even though he wasn't drunk, he took one sip of that scotch, that Johnny Walker, and I was terrified, because oh, yeah. I knew, number one, he had to drive home, he was driving drunk. Number two, when he got home, he would physically start abusing us. And it was mostly my mom. My mom would always try it. And this is why I owe a tremendous amount of debt and gratitude towards her because she knew that he's capable of really, really hurting us. So she would take the beatings for us. And so as a little kid, I remember my father putting my mother's head through a window Oh my gosh. And um, I just, all I remember is, I think I must have been like in kindergarten, Sua. I don't know how old I was, but like, oh my gosh. Her head was just dripping with blood. Oh. And I was horrified. I mean, I, I really believed my father was going to kill her one day. And that was sort of my, I think, where the genesis of my fear came. And then many years later, I learned that, mm -hmm. that oh my gosh, like I, I have to, you know, I have to deal with this because I still, I think that's where a lot of my fear comes from. So yeah, so that was sort of like a bit of my childhood growing up. And, um, and he wasn't a Christian back then. And then he finally became a Christian uh, years later. And uh, there would be moments when he would drink sometimes. Um, and I, you know, it would happen. But once he became a Christian and he really tried to walk um, as a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ, he stopped drinking. And oh, so once he oh, stopped okay. drinking, um, it was much better. Much better. He, he, you know, when he's not drunk, he doesn't, he's not mm -hmm. abusive. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so as a little kid, I didn't know that I had to forgive him. You know what I'm saying? Because you don't have the proper emotional faculties to deal so with it. So when did it stop? Like when did he, be, you know, became become a Christian and then kind of it started diffusing out? I would say it probably really stopped probably like when I was about in fifth grade. 
so fourth, fifth grade. All your life until fifth grade, basically. Yeah, I would say pretty okay. much my entire okay. life until about fourth, fifth grade is when he stopped. Okay. And it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like a regular occurrence. But before that, it was really awful. And actually, my mother told me it was much worse before I was born, too. At times, wow. you know, it got bad when in Korea and stuff like that. So, so your sisters and, too. Oh, my like sisters. All, yeah. My sisters remember. My sister Ellen remembers it so much more than I do because she's five years older than me. Sure. So she has a much more vivid uh, uh, memory of all of this that I don't. I was just too young. Mm -hmm. I couldn't fully comprehend it. And you know, she and I had a real deep talk about it many years ago for a paper I had to do for my for my doctorate class. And she'd share with me stuff I had no idea. Mm. I had like no idea because, again, I was too young to process all yeah. of that stuff. Yeah. So when you're that young, you don't really you don't you don't have the emotional faculties to think, well, I gotta forgive this guy. Right. And uh, you know, I think and I'm just gonna be very honest. Like you grow up, you you're incredibly afraid of this man. But I never thought I had to forgive him. You know, and I think growing up, you know, as a young kid, um, he was still my father. Right. And there was a part of me that longed for, like, his love. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so it's, like, all yeah. of that. So, like, you don't know, like, okay, I yeah. got to forgive this guy. I got to forgive this guy. But because I wasn't able to process any of that stuff, and we never talked about any of this stuff. My mom loved us tremendously, but she never just tried to unpack and help us along. She didn't have the emotional maturity, you know, the faculties to help us out with this because she couldn't deal with it herself. And she was the one that was the greatest recipient of all of this and not me. And, um, and so, yeah, you just kind of grow up in life. But what it does, I think what it did to me for a long time was that I was incredibly insecure. Um, I, was, I, I longed for the approval of other people. Right. Um, I had no healthy sense of who I am before God. And so I found a lot of my self-image and my self-worth in how people saw me. Mm -hmm. And that was it was really important for me to put on a good show or, or put on a good facade or a mask so that people, because I, I just wanted people to think I was, I was awesome, I was great, I was brilliant uh, in many ways. And so a lot of times I would lie <laughs> about that. I would lie to my friends and I'm so embarrassed to say, man, I just hope people- like What kind of lies? Oh, I'm so embarrassed, man, I'm so <laughs> embarrassed. When I was in Palisades Park, I had a friend and, and I'll just say his first name, his name is George and I, I hope he's not listening, but, but <laughs> like because my family was so dysfunctional, like I told George that like we were going to go on vacation to Florida because we own land there and we have horses and all that stuff and pool and like you're a little kid and you think like they're going to believe this, right? Uh, yeah. And I just wanted him to believe that we had a great family and mm -hmm. we had money, even though we lived in a basement of a house because we couldn't afford proper rent in Palisades Park. Okay. Like I never thought like they would realize I'm lying, sure. you know? And so yeah. there were moments, Sua, like this is so hard for me to say. I would call him from my house, like when he when I told him. Pretend I was on that you were in Florida with your horses. Yeah. yeah, and I would say, "Hey, hold on, hold on, I'm gonna take a quick dip in my pool," and then I just go. <laughs> Wait, and do you come think back. he believed it? Heck no! This guy was no. way too smart, <laughs> way too smart to believe it. He knew I was lying. I know his father probably knew it as well, but he just let me lie. You know, it's just because he didn't have the heart to tell me. You know, and stuff like that. So yeah, I, I think I think that was kind of like this. It wasn't until much later, many many years later, where I realized that there's there there actually in college where I really needed to try to forgive this guy because how I saw God was directly correlated to how I saw my father. How did you my come to that father. realization though? Uh, you know, uh, I had a p campus pastor and he helped me to understand okay. that. He said, okay. "Hey, you know, like you, you know how a lot of times your earthly father." 
if you, especially if you had a bad earthly father,、mm. um, will oftentimes shape your understanding、yeah. of who your heavenly father is.、Yeah. And so he encouraged me, and I realized that is true because whenever I sinned, I felt like God just wanted to kill me,、mm. you know, and I just felt so worthless. And part of the reason why I talked myself out of ministry in college was because I felt like I was sinning too much. Can I and ask I just you said, there's、question? no way God wants me to do this. Yep. So this is like slightly unrelated, but what, what kind of disciplinarian was. Your dad, because you said only when he was under the influence of alcohol, he became abusive. So, what was、yep. he like? Let's say you brought home a bad test score or you、yep. lied. Like,、yep. what was what was he、no. like in those situations? There was no physical abuse.、Um, a lot of times it would just be like verbal, just kind of like, you're still stupid. You know, like you're okay, stupid. So, it was, so there was、yep. nothing. Like, it was no, not. It was、no. literally only when he was drunk.、Yes. Yeah, I'm gonna、wow. tell you. Okay. My, when I was a, when I was a sophomore in high school, I got caught driving without a license. So、um, I got、hey. caught by the cops, <laughs> and they arrested me. All that stuff.、Um, I had a permit, but I didn't have a license. Oh no! And and my sister Susan was, I think, like 19 years old at the time, so she was able to get me out of the police station, and I got home. But they towed the car. And my mom came home,、oh, and I had to tell her. And I'm fine with my mom, but then she was, "You wait till your dad comes home because he's gonna teach you a lesson." And I actually thought he was gonna kill me, like he was gonna kill me. And、um, man, I couldn't believe it. He was just like, "Don't ever do that again.、Oh, that、wow. was wrong." And that's it. And I was like, "You talk about mercy、huh. and grace." Like I was crying out to God like that whole time. So I thought he was gonna kill、just、me that day. Just please let me live. Yeah, you know. So,、wow. but yeah, but. One of the things I do remember is that when my father used to hit me,、um, you know, as a kid, he used to always say the word "stupid" before he would hit me.、Oh, and、wow. so, what that did, what that reinforced within me, was that I really thought I was stupid,、mm. like my whole life. Like, yeah, I'm not smart. I'm stupid. Because he would use that word. He, you know, he said it in Korean,、um, you know, and he would just smack me, you know, when 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 I, when that would happen. And so, and even I think those were like some really like. Things and 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 harsh harsh things that kind of happened in my own life that I had to deal with and had to deal with forgiveness and 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 later on I realized I have, I have to forgive my father and the only way I was able to really do it、um, was just learning about his life and I opened up by sharing a little bit about his life but that was the only way I was able to forgive him because I understood that the reason why he was not able to really love us and care for us and protect us always. Uh, was because nobody ever really loved him, and it didn't make it right what he did, but it helped me to understand, and、uh, f- I was able to forgive him. And we actually had a really good relationship from my、like, college age and on. And particularly when I graduated from college,、um, you know, we had, you know, I went moved back home, and we had a much better relationship. He was actually the first one when I told my mom and my father that I felt like God was calling me into ministry because I was working for NBC at the time. Um, I really thought my father was gonna like be like, "What are you doing? You crazy? Don't do it!" And my mom would be like, "Go for it." But it was the opposite. My father was like, "If God's calling you, you go.、Mm. You have my support." My mom was like, "Don't do it. You know, don't do it. You know, you're gonna be struggling your whole life and so on and so forth,、um, and stuff." So we actually, you know,、um, started to really develop a relationship. But when I graduated seminary and I came back, he and I would have lunch,、uh, breakfast once a month, and just kind of connect.、Um, you know, it wasn't. You know, like deep conversations, but you know, I just really wanted to connect with him and、uh, and deepen my relationship with him, so that I, I don't just say I love my father when I really maybe I, I don't, but really I want to just say that no, I do love this man. And you know,、um, what I've learned over the years is that yes, he's had a lot of weaknesses and a lot of junk, but there's also some really good things that made him who he is. 
and part of who I am is because of him. Like you talked about, you know, your daughter leaving the mm -hmm, backpack. Mm -hmm. Definitely, I have so many of those kinds of things that from my father that are not good, but yet there's so many things of my father that I think I have that, that I inherited from him that I'm just so grateful for. And I don't think if I, if I was never able to forgive him for what he's done, I don't think I would have ever learned that. You know, my father had tremendous amount of courage. He was a huge risk taker. To defect from North to South Korea was putting your life on the line. Right, right. And, uh, you know, um, when, uh, when, the, when the Chinese soldiers got him, they told him, make a run for the border. Him and his friends, they make a run for the border. We're going to shoot at you. If you don't die, you can go to South Korea. Right, right. Every one of his friends died except for him. Wow. They made a run. That, take, that takes an amazing that amount of courage. That takes a lot of courage. And risks to, to, to risk your life for freedom. Sure. And, you know, my buddy Alex G really bought that brought this to my attention he said that's where you get your risk-taking abilities and your desire to be this visionary leader and start a church from scratch i mean you just graduated from seminary what makes you think you can plant a church you get that from your dad peter mm -hmm. you know and stuff uh, my dad is a i thought a really great community he's hilarious he's funny um but he's also an amazing storyteller like he would the like, people in the church would sit around like during like moments when we would get together in people's homes and they would just say, could you please tell us the story again about your time in North Korea and how you defected and all that. Like, like multiple times. And when I was a kid in high school, they just said, Peter, one day you got to sit your father down. You got to hear the story. Mm. Like this is like the third time he shared this with us and we cannot get enough. We want to hear it more and more because it was so powerful. And so I think part of me being a communicator and a preacher, I think I get that from my father actually. You know, so that's, I think what forgiveness does, it doesn't just, it doesn't just allow you to forgive somebody, but it helps you to understand their brokenness and perhaps maybe even see some of the good things that make them who they are. So, so what, okay. So you're talking about what forgiveness, you know, does after you've done it, but you've been kind of vague about like, so then you, you started the process of forgiving him. Okay. But yeah. what does that look like? Because I'm trying to imagine what, especially in the context of a Korean family, yeah. it's hard to imagine that it happened the way, you know, like if my child does something bad, I say, Lila or Audrey, go <laughs> apologize. And then that person will say, you know, and then they will say, I'm sorry. And hopefully yeah. it's like, I say, I'm sorry. They say, I forgive you. And that's the way it happens. But I'm yeah. guessing it did not look that clear cut. No, no, it, it, it was very, it's like, I wish I could say it was like on this day is when I forgave right, my father. Right. It was very long. It was a, it was a journey. It's a, and that's what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is a process. It's not this one event or this one moment in time when you say you've really forgiven. It can be that, I think. But it was a journey for me. Um, I've gone through about eight years of therapy, um, you know, professional therapy. Not just I didn't meet with a counselor or a mentor. I met with a, like a, a real psychologist, and they helped me to process all of this, all this stuff to help me to kind of see who I am right now and help me to process this whole thing with forgiving my father um but i don't think i've ever sua i don't think i've ever taken it to the point where um i let it get the best of me where it affected a lot of my other relationships with people mm -hmm. um i think what how it affected my relationship with other people is that i was just always afraid that they wouldn't like me and you know like when i was dating jenny i believe she was gonna break up with me she was gonna meet another guy and just break up with me you know, and stuff. And as a result of it, like I was convinced. And part of that was just because I just had such a low view of who I am. And she will like, she's so self-confident. Like, I'm like, hey, doesn't it bother you? Like at church, like I'm hanging out with all these people and some of these people are girls. 
Like, doesn't that bother you? She goes, no. I'm you know like, what's really? really funny is like your risk taking. Like, that bother you? Um, because you're such a risk taker, you like went for like the hottest and holiest girl. But then because you're like insecure, now you're like, why did I get into this relationship with the hottest and holiest girl? You know, it's like a weird yeah, it, like it, it just, paradox. The, listen, I mean, it's you know, but it was a journey, and I think that that is, that's it for you because for some of you, you have wounds that are so so deep. It's gonna take some time. But you got to be willing to take the journey. And that's the biggest thing. You got to be willing to take the journey. I think the best first step for you to do, and this is what's been helping me recently, I learned this from my professor, Rob Reamer, is you do the forgiveness challenge. And the forgiveness challenge is basically for 30 days, you pray a blessing upon the unforgivable person in your life. Did, did your dad ever actually apologize for anything? Ever. Never. Never. Yeah, Never. you know, I did, I did, I did. Actually, when when I was in college with him, uh, when I was in college, I invited him to come up to campus. This was the first time I ever had one-on-one time with my father. I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to try to connect with this guy. I've never been alone with this man. Never decided to ever spend any time with him. So I invited him to come up, and he gladly came. And mm-hmm. I sat down, and I just said to him, I said, you know, my mother loved me. My mother favored me, and she loved having a son, you know? And my sister Ellen helped me to process this. She said, you know, Peter, dad was probably jealous of you because you probably mm. felt like you didn't really have a wife because her love went all to you. To you, yeah. And I was like, oh, snap. I never really wow, thought about that. that's really deep. And so I did tell him to forgive me about that. I, You know, when we were in college, I said, hey, dad, you know, just forgive me. I, I don't know if you were ever jealous of me because I felt like, you know, maybe mom loved me too much and stuff. And he just said, no, 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 no. He goes... I was never jealous about that. That's a mother loving a child. Why would I be jealous of mm. of mom loving you? You're her son. She should love you. And at that point, he just said, "I'm." He didn't say specifically, but he said, "You know, I'm sorry for not being a great dad." And um, and so mm. you know, he didn't go d- directly, but I'm sorry for hitting you. But he just right, said, "I'm right. sorry that I wasn't the kind of dad you probably wanted me to be." Um, that was good enough for me, and um, yeah, and with that, yeah. that was when we that probably re- took a lot for him to say. It did, it yeah. did, and and then he started, sh- and then I asked him, I was like, Dad, I don't know anything about you. Like, could you share with me a little bit about your life, your upbringing? And then he did, you know, he did, and uh, very generally. And then when I was in seminary, I had to write a paper about my family. And then he was over the house. He came and visited us in California, and then I had to record it. And I still have it on tape, and he shared his life. And while he was sharing, Sua, he was bawling. Oh like wailing and I didn't know how to process that because I was like Mm. what I saw I saw a little child a little child that's still hurting Mm -hmm. where his wounds were not healed yet and that really helped me to understand like I know what this guy did to us wasn't good you know it, it doesn't make it right but I understand he has so many unhealed wounds that he wasn't able to heal from and he wasn't capable of really loving us because nobody ever really loved him, you know, in a way uh, where he could, you know, where he could love us. And so anyway, that's kind of how it happened. But I, the forgiveness challenge that's really helped me um, over the years now with some new folks because I got to deal with forgiving people and it's a struggle even to this day for me is for 30 days, I pray a blessing upon the person that I struggle to forgive. And I want to encourage you to do that. 
And if you can do that, um, you know, day one to like day five, it's usually very like the prayers are terrible. They're so sorry. <laughs> it's like, you know, I pray that, you know, like this guy would play basketball and break his ankle and he'll know like <laughs> how much pain he's causing. Is that yeah, a blessing? Uh, well, it's, it's hard because in the beginning, you're still so angry. So it starts <laughs> off like that usually. Like I pray that this person would sprain their ankle and realize and God, you would show them that that's how much they've hurt me. Oh my gosh. Right? But I guarantee you, as you get to like day 15 or 20, you're going to start really praying a blessing upon their life. You'll say, you know, let's say this guy's name is Tom. God, I pray for Tom. I pray that you'll bless his relationship with his wife. I pray that you'll help him to get to a deeper level of intimacy. Amen. The next day, God, I pray for Tom and his job. I pray you'll give him a lot of favor with his boss. You know, different things like that. I pray for Tom that you'll help him to be a good father. But when you start doing that, you start praying those blessings, the bitterness starts to uh, dissipate. And then you're able to forgive. And I, I think in 30 days, if you try that 30-day challenge, I think it can help you incredibly to forgive that person. And I think kind of what you said at the beginning of this podcast, Sua, you're going to be a little bit more self-aware as you do that about your own junk and your own brokenness. And it's going to help you then to forgive that person as well. But it's a journey. It doesn't happen like overnight. That, and that's why the 30-day challenge, I think, is a real helpful thing to do. Th that sounds so hard to do, though, because... You know, it's even hard to do to forgive somebody when they even ask you for forgiveness. Do you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like if somebody yeah. hurts you and then they ask you for forgiveness, sometimes it's even hard to forgive them in that yeah. moment. So to be able to forgive somebody who has no idea that you're forgiving them yeah. because you yeah. feel kind of like there's a you have the power when you refuse yeah. to forgive yeah. someone um, because you feel like you deserve to be yeah. angry. I think that's kind of what it is, is like, yeah. you deserve bad things and I deserve to be angry right. because you have hurt me. But then to let that go then and say, you know what? You haven't even asked for forgiveness and yeah. you don't even know that I'm doing this, but I'm just going to do it anyway. It's just, there's a part of me that feels like that's so unfair. Right. <laughs> you know what I and, mean? And, and, I, um, and here, here's, here, here's the thing though, Sue, like, I, and I'm sure so many of our listeners, because it resonate, because I resonate with that. Yeah. But what you're doing is you're understanding it the way that the, the way the world wants you to understand it. Um, uh, somebody said this, and I don't want to say <laughs> it's this person because you might laugh at me. I'm pretty sure she said this, but, but unforgiveness is like you drinking poison and wishing the other person would die. That's what unforgiveness is. Yeah. And so we think it's the other way. Sure. We think if we yeah. forgive this person, you know, we're going to die and they're going to be off the hook. No, it's the other way around. When you are unwilling to forgive somebody, it's like you're drinking lethal poison and you want this other person to die. And that's what unforgiveness does. You, you cause great damage. It bleeds into your other relationships, particularly the ones that are close with you. And you cannot live in healthy relationships, particularly healthy, intimate relationships. Because at the end of the day, like, you know, you started off the podcast talking about sometimes you curse at your brother. Like, no matter <laughs> what, like, in a relationship, we're always going to be hurt and disappointed. Mm -hmm. No matter what. The only way that relationships can get more deeper and intimate is when we can learn to forgive each other. And the reason why we don't forgive many times is because yes the pain is too deep and it's too too much but in some ways though i also think that in many ways we don't fully understand how much damage not only what the person have done to us but how much damage it causes when we decide not to forgive somebody so we have to for our own sake so that we can sleep better like so that we can be like you sua we can sleep like a no log. so you, you know, know what i, I just remembered up. Not be able to sleep again. Now that you're saying that, you know what? Now I just remember really briefly that there was a time when I was angry for a long time. And I, you know what? This is how you know I'm absent-minded. I forgot about it completely. <laughs> 
like, I mean, forgiven no, them. no, no, because like in the it, uh, once again, it involves my father in law. When I first started dating John, my father in law <laughs> didn't like me, and so he okay. wouldn't even like look at me when I used to say oh, hi wow. to him. And I was like, what, twenty years old at this time? So you know what? You're right. It did. It did last for a while. I I didn't get good rest because I was really I was sitting there at night yeah. thinking of all the horrible ways I was going to hurt him yeah. back. Like I'm going to break yep. up with your son, yeah. and yeah. then he's going to come crying back to you, That's and right. then you will know what you miss. Like these kinds of like petty, yeah. but Don't like you know angry. How good I am. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And then yeah. these are the thoughts that would like captivate me for a yeah. like on and off for a while. Yeah. But you know what? I'm very thankful because I guess the fact that I couldn't even remember it means that I've moved on. <laughs> You've moved on. I mean, this is you, a while ago. It's like 20 years you, ago now. You've moved on so um, much that when he triggers you about something he says yeah, it's incredibly it has it. injustice minded, you're able to lambast them. But you know what? I've recently asked him about that actually mm. uh, because I never addressed it with him, right? Yeah. I actually yeah. wrote about this in my, what was it? HD in your Zanga? <laughs> no, no. When I used okay. to take HD with you, the yeah, leadership yeah, course, yeah. I think I wrote about this. But again, I took my leadership course when I was in 2009 or yeah. 2008. So it's been a while. Yeah. I mean, I remember you telling me in the markings, I'm sure you don't remember, but I remember you were like, you should confront him about it. You really, you yeah. should ask him about it. And I never did until literally, I think about two years ago, I asked him about mm. it. I said, because it was pretty relentless. It was yeah. about six to six months to a year where he wouldn't acknowledge my presence mm. at all like he, what did he say he what did something he say? really okay so this one time we were at my nephew's one-year birthday yeah. and he came to the table where i was sitting with john and a bunch of his friends it was john's friend's table and he gave everybody a clementine except for me um <laughs> like he literally came and passed everybody a clementine and just skipped me <laughs> I mean, talk about petty. Okay, so um, you got to do, you, next time he's over your house, get Clementine, <laughs> give it to everyone but him and say, mm, No, you know but you know, <laughs> yeah, I know. And he loves Clementines. It'll really hurt. <laughs> but like, no, so then, re, and I remember that moment because it was such a humiliating moment for me because all my, mm. all John's friends are like, why did he not give you a Clementine? Yeah, and I'm like, yeah. that's a good question, Brian. But anyway, recently about, I think maybe like a year and a half ago when he was living with me because they, yeah. they were living with me for a while. I said to him, I said, you know, when I was at um, Jonathan's first birthday, why did you give everybody a Clementine, but not me? Do you remember? And he said he doesn't remember, but wow. he can imagine that he did it. And he yeah. and then he gave me some kind of, he said to me that he he was an elder at the church at the time. Mm -hmm. And it was a big church, it's like 5,000 people church. And he yeah, said yeah. he was going through some major issues with some of the congregation members. Okay. And he was in a really bad state. He said he was in a really bad state. One of the people that were he was having a real big problem with was in that room. And he said he was kind of in a really bad mental state and he's sorry. And he said to me in Korea, and he was like, why do you have to remember things like that? <laughs> you know? I'm like, because I have excellent I memory. Now. I have excellent yeah. memory. But um, I think that's the closest that I've come to addressing mm. that. Um, I, I mean, yeah. I never said to him, like, why didn't you like me? Or like, why were you so mean to yeah. me? But I said to him, why didn't you give me an orange? Um, and I think <laughs> it was kind of my background way of asking, like, why were you acting like that? Yeah. Because that's not yeah. who he is. I've known yeah. him for much longer after that, right? Yeah. And he's not that person, he's like the most kind, loving, you know, nice, mm. funny, great person. But that blip in our story, it's so atypical of him. And he was like, he basically was like, I don't know why you have to remember things like that. He was like, he didn't say I'm sorry, but he was like, I was in a really bad place. And, mm. you know, I think that's the closest that I can get yeah. with, you know, a Korean father-in-law saying he's sorry. Um, but yeah, that was Yeah, um, well, funny. listen, I mean, 
listen, if you're listening and you are really struggling with unforgiveness and, you know, I, I, I don't want to single out just the pastors, but, you know, part of this is that I'm hoping that pastors will listen to this. You know, I think at church we get hurt a lot and, you know, pastors are quitting or getting fired at a, an alarming rate yeah. every month. I think the statistics is 1,500 pastors. That's happened to 1,500 pastors in America every month. So there's a lot of hurt and pain. And I just want to encourage you that if, if, if this has sparked any more questions or interest or things like that, please feel free to reach out to us at our website at weekpastor.org. Um, love to hear from you and uh, maybe even journey with you through this process. But um, at the end of the day, uh, you know, God would love for us to forgive those who've hurt us so that we can live on the deeper revelation of his grace and his love for us as well. And I hope that you'll be able to do that. It's a journey. It's not going to happen overnight, but I hope that you will take that journey, do the forgiveness challenge next 30 days, pray for a blessing upon somebody who you deem to be unforgivable. We're out of time, so thanks so much for listening, and uh, hopefully we'll hear from you, and uh, tune in next week for another episode. Take care. Bye.